but I actually conduct my interviews in such a fashion that I'm gently touching all on all the little components that I'm looking on along the way. Mm -hmm. um, from CRM systems to how they like to craft emails, what is their style, what CRM systems are they familiar with. Please uh, align me with some of your greatest successes. Mm -hmm. By the way, we all fail sometimes. Can you align me with some of your, your failures? Mm -hmm. And if you've actually touched those little, connected the dots along the way, you should have a very holistic picture at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Having said that, salespeople are salespeople. Welcome to the latest episode of Tech Salescraft with me, James Hounslow. Uh, and today I'm super excited because we've got Jeff Glickman on the show. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me, my friend. No worries at all. Before we get going, I'll just give the audience a bit of an understanding as to why um, I was keen to have you on the show. Um, yeah. We've been interviewing a, a lot of people from Israel sharing their experiences of hiring and building salespeople outside of Israel, which is a challenge, you know, I wanted to have you uh, on board because you started life outside of Israel uh, in the mm -hmm. lovely Canada, uh, born and raised and have some really good insight into uh, how cultures are, which is a key element into uh, into hiring salespeople uh, outside of Israel. So um, really, really pleased to have you on board. You've got stacks of experience of building um, sales teams, successful sales teams, uh, which is great. Um, but I don't do it justice. If you just want to give a bit of background as to who you are, how you started in Canada, why you're in Israel, and then we'll go from there. So great. Um, again, really, thank you for having me. I find these things terribly exciting. Um, so for me, I'm born and raised in uh, in Toronto, Canada, where I was educated. I did uh, my my university degrees in Canada as well, and from there, I I ended up working in in real estate. Um, real estate was was basically how I made a living in a couple of different ways. One, I was a broker, um, so I was able to broker transactions, everything from homes, new homes, apartments, buildings, uh, residential and commercial. I also brokered raw parcels of land, which inevitably were developed by developers. So they put all of the, I guess, raw material, raw services into the ground, the gas, mm -hmm. uh, the electricity, the sewers and whatnot. And they would in turn then pivot and sell that serviced land to, to a builder. Um, once I moved to Israel, to tell you the truth, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I have uh, a couple of unique contacts here and I was lucky enough to meet somebody um, through the British Embassy who put me in contact uh, with a particular company. It was a high-tech company. And at that point, I was new to, to Israel. You know, I wanted to learn more about my wife, learn more about the country, learn the language. Um, but high-tech found me, and I never really thought that I would end up where I am today. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been wonderful. So that's how how it all started and when I arrived in Israel in 2011 I started with my first opportunity in high tech and that's been home since. Awesome so let's let's dive into how you found uh, software sales and what made you become importantly what I'd like to understand is what made you leap from um, cold sales to sales leadership um, what made you feel you had the attributes to do that? Very interesting so again High tech sales found me. I'm not sure that I that I found it. Mm -hmm. um, my first venture um, 
I was successful. I was successful selling. And I found that, you know, to be effective, you needed a very holistic picture. Mm -hmm. So you needed to make sure that your website was complementary and an accurate representation of, of what you do. That that was reflect, reflected, you know, accurately on LinkedIn and in, and in social media. That that same perception, look, touch and feel also mm -hmm. appeared in collateral. So I started building a processes to facilitate that. Um, which very much wrought road shotgun, I guess, with with my sales, and it started to work. And as the the company evolved, and as our our sales increased, which was just tremendous, mm -hmm. we were in a position to bring on new resources, you know, to hire new people. Um, and what I found with the people coming in said, "I really like that presentation. How did you do that? What was your thinking? I saw that piece you put on LinkedIn. Why did you do that?" Mm -hmm. I see you're interested in bringing in some SDRs and BDRs. What's your rationale? And suddenly I felt a bit of a, a pivot going mm -hmm. on uh, very organically. Um, and I would tell you that as my time here continued, that pivot really just continued, continued to, to, to pivot. Um, and, and by the way, today, I still love doing the sales. Yeah. I love doing the sales as much as the sales management. It also allows you to keep your finger on the pulse of what your account managers and your AEs are dealing with. Excellent. Um, so I really want to understand, you know, dive into um, how Jeff hires salespeople, what your experience has, has been around that and the, the attraction, the engagement of it to allow the, the, the audience to understand what sort of size teams have you built and run outside of uh, Israel in your time? The, the, the actual size of the teams? Yeah. Well, it, it will vary. And, and I'll touch on that a, a little bit. So in some instances, I've worked with, let's say we've, we've built um, the foundations in the U.S., so we've got mm -hmm. an initial team. Depending upon who our initial hires are, sometimes they actually straddle sales. Sometimes mm -hmm. they, strad they straddle demand generation. Yeah. Um, sometimes they straddle technical account management, which tends, again, to write shotgun to the sales. So it was a matter of actually making sure that we were bringing in eight players that were fairly diverse mm -hmm. on, on the front end. In time, we became you know, a, a lot more focused. But that ties in again with what we were talking about prior. Mm. That imagine somebody being pinged or contacted by an entity in Israel for potential work. And the first thing they're gonna do is they're gonna go to your website and then they're mm -hmm. gonna go to your, look, your LinkedIn and then they're going to look at your senior management. Mm -hmm. It has to make sense, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, just like it has to make sense for your customers, it has to make sense for your external hires. I think it's also important we were able to set mechanisms and processes in place or even a DNA that these people really feel that they're part of the company, even, they're, even though they're remote. Mm. Um, so I would say on the front end, hire A players. Um, I really believe more and more that the sort of synergy between managers and their employers is just as important as the actually experience of that employee employee, and build effective processes based on where you want to go and, and what resources you have in, in hand at that point in time. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into the weeds of this and, and, and okay. get, so if you're a tech company in, in, in Israel, when is the right time in your mind to make the decision that you should be hiring in North America? Are there a couple of key indicators that you'd be looking at? Well, I think GTM go-to-market is is a great pulse check. It's a mm -hmm. great pulse check. 
are you deriving leads? Are people checking with you on your website? Are they using us contact? Are they reaching out to you through LinkedIn? If they are, I think um, you you start to understand that you're on the yellow brick road, so, yeah. so to speak. For me, I think it also depends on where your target audience sits. So as an example, in my time in advertising technology, there's a huge market presence in Europe and all over the world, but mm -hmm. it plays second fiddle to everything going on in the US. So it was front and center that we really needed to get set up in, in the US. Um, I recently was working with another entity and what they're going to do is digitize um, original documents using blockchain technology. So that would be, you know, bills of lading and, and shipping. That would be checks. There's, there's a lot of different capacities to it. But interestingly, if you think of all the main shipping lines and the, th um, the supply side logistics companies, most of them are HQ'd in Europe. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot less important to build an American presence, and yeah. it's a lot more important to build a European presence. So I think it depends on the vertical. I think it depends on what go-to-market looks like. And I think the overall, you know, resources and focus of the company. Is it mm -hmm. essential to penetrate the U.S. market? I think those are all, I guess, conditioning factors. So if if North America is the... Um... Uh, the front and center of where your clients are going to be. What what would you be looking at um, as a key indicators? Would you would you be looking at the 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 pipeline of leads and opportunity, or before you put somebody in North America, or would you be looking at actual revenue? Someone who's bought the software before you consider it uh, putting a, a physical person in North America. So capital resources, I think, are, are probably front and center. I think that's a lot. That's probably the discerning factor for a lot of companies or a lot of people in my position is their budget, right? So as an Israeli entity, um, in order for us to hire somebody in the U.S., we actually have to create an American entity with mm -hmm. legal repercussions, and it's not necessarily the easiest thing. However, if it's worth doing, nothing worth doing is easy, right? Yeah. Um, so I think capital is the, is the first one. I would say second, is there a proper market fit with the U.S. Mm -hmm. market? So I think if your GTM, meaning you are, you are seeing some leads, you are seeing some sales traction, there is a good product market fit in the U.S., I would love to see one leg go head into the U.S. market as quickly as possible. A lot of by, Israeli companies, by the way, try it. Far less succeed at it than yeah. they would. So we'll come back to that. Um, as, to, as to, to to why so many try it and, and and don't succeed um so you've decided you've got the you've got the resources you've got the funding it's the right thing to do you mentioned there about making sure that you hire a players um in your mind how do you understand what an a player is for your organization how do you put that together of actually because it's a critical hire um that you're looking at here what goes through your mind to decide what an a player is? And why they're right for your business. I'm, I'm going to start with something that's an intangible. Um, it's kind of like judgment. Either people have it or, or they don't. Yeah. There's a feeling I get through an interview based on the content of what people say, the nature of the way they say it, and just the feeling, the vibe that I have sitting and talking and working with them through mm -hmm. this interview session or through this interview process. Because let's face it, it's going to become a lot more intimate than that when we work together. Yeah. So if if their history, if their CV, if their credentials meets the criteria that we're searching for, that's already wonderful. 
But now for me as the person who's actually going to work with and manage that person, I need to actually feel that there's a wonderful connection, that there, there's a vibe there. Mm -hmm. And by the way, you know, I recently spoke to somebody else who's a, an SVP of a big platform here in Israel. He said, when I get that feeling, the interview's over and I send the contract. Very interesting. I don't. Yeah. I walk away very excited and say, I want to have a second meeting because if I feel the same way after the second meeting, then I want to send a contract. Yeah. So, well, so, so, so it would definitely come on to the, um, to the process because um, the, I, you, you do it like through experience and talking to people, like you can get that warm uh, sense of feeling and, and what people are saying. But sometimes it's like going into the pub and there's people who are great storytellers and you want to be around those people in the pub and that sales people, they can come in, they can create it and they can do it. But by sending out the contract that quick, you haven't tested if they actually can do it. Can they walk the talk? Sometimes that's where I see where there is, is such a high failure rate of hiring a salespeople. It normally comes where something hasn't been tested because someone can be great somewhere else. And then it just doesn't work in your organization because of whatever it ever it may be. Um, but how do you how do you understand what you're looking for, particularly if you're looking for that first hire? So your first hire in a different geography is probably characteristically, maybe you you your say yours is, might be different to the 10th person that you're looking for. So how do you Correct. understand what it is that you're looking for? So I love this question, by, by the way. I, I love this this question. I think it's important. By the way, when I said, you know, if after the second meeting, I still feel the same way, I'm going to send the contract. Yeah. Please understand this. There's still going to be sort of processes to abide by. I'm a big fan on on references. Yeah. Um, the higher the position, I would I would probably move from two to four references. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like the process of backdoor, um, backdoor referencing because basically what you're showing the candidate if they find out about it from day one is a lack of trust and it's just certainly not a great way i would rather say you know we're super fond of you we see a lot of potential we think we would like to proceed so if it's okay with you i would like to check several references it's going to be more than two but i'm only saying this because we're very serious about you the response 100 percent of the time is just going to be you know absolutely wonderful yeah, yeah. um i find that um very very important but I think alongside the processes, I mean, if I think back to the first time I interviewed somebody, it was, I was probably terrible relative to who <laughs> I am today. But I actually conduct my interviews in such a fashion that I'm gently touching all on all the little components that I'm looking on along the way. Mm -hmm. um, from CRM systems to how they like to craft emails. What is their style? What CRM systems are they familiar with? Please uh, align me with some of your greatest successes. By the way, we all fail sometimes. Can you align me with some of your, your failures? Mm -hmm. And if you've actually touched those little, connected the dots along the way, you should have a very holistic picture at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Having said that, salespeople are salespeople, right? So I have also been in the position where I've been sold a false bill of goods. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen much today, yeah, uh, but historically it did. By the way, one of the things that I say in the interviews, and you see the candidate's mm -hmm. eyes you know, pop wide open, I say, listen, this is as important for me as it is for you, right? Yeah. You need to evaluate me as much as I need to evaluate you, right? Because at the end of the day, we'll work very intimately together. But if this works great and we send you an agreement and we're going to start together in 30, 60, 90 days from now, and after one quarter, it doesn't work, we've both wasted a half 
year of our lives. Mm. And when you paint that picture to somebody, they sort of look at you and think, you know, yeah. so I find more, more than not today, people are giving you the straight picture and, you know, there's so much inter information available. There's yeah. so much information available in the public domain that between a good interview process and that information, you should end up with a, a fairly solid picture and hopefully a lot less disappointments. Yes, true. You're based in Israel, put one A in North America and see how it goes against putting multiples in at once. Very interesting. So I had this conversation with another colleague a couple of days ago. He was very interested in outsourcing all of his demand generation, as an example, to Singapore, okay? Or the Philippines. One of these two places, he had his own lines of reasoning and the leads were to service the North American market. I'm not sure that they're necessarily speaking the same language as somebody in the, in the North American market. So I would rather see if you're gonna hire a salesperson in the United States, we need to make sure that there's somebody servicing that person with leads. Mm -hmm. um, holistically, so so that it, it makes sense to them. Um, by the way, there's another, it's something that I'm contemplating. I'm not sure if you're aware of the system today that they're, they're calling pods. So you will have um, an AE yeah. working directly with one SBR. Okay, they're a pod. And yeah. through the interview process, that AE is actually one of the people that will interview that SDR to make sure that they feel it's a match. So these people get to know each other very, very intimately. Um, I think it's a great idea. So back to your question about the United States, I have no problem as long if it's just one person, they need to be a self-starter. They need to be highly motivated. They should probably come from the industry. So they have some leads and some contacts to start. The other but or aval, I guess in Hebrew is they need a stable lead source to give mm -hmm. them a chance. So I have no problem with it, but they need to be a self-starter and we need to make sure that they have proper leads. Interesting. Um, and then what about growth and development on boarding? Because um, I know a lot of sales leaders say they would like to get hiring right more often. And and uh, uh, the audience hear it time and time again from me on these uh, podcasts where most leaders get hiring probably right more often than they think where they get it wrong is onboarding and you get lots of uh, clips on uh, on LinkedIn where someone's opening up a, a brand new box of goodies because they started somewhere uh, new and it's got a lovely uh, sweater in there and a, and a drinks bottle with a logo on it swag and that's it uh, and that's onboarding um but for salespeople, it goes much deeper uh, than that. And the, the 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 constant need of coaching and development, and, and particularly in the startup world where the playbook is, let's say, constantly evolving um, as it moves along. Where, what, what's your thought process on, on boarding and how thorough do you uh, run through that? Because I imagine you won't have had the success you have without a, uh, a pretty uh, rigid onboarding process. It has to be rigid, but 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 flexible. Um, so I, I think it's very important. But again, it really depends on, you know, we're talking about startups, mm. uh, but, but Startup Central. It is, they work under a different philosophy than, than um, uh, a well-established company with a well-established brand and a lot of capital, right? So mm. it's very, very different. So I think when you're hiring, we need to look at it through those binoculars, right? We are bringing somebody into this new ecosystem. Yeah. And quite frankly, there's, 4,000 balls at the air in the air at, at any given time. So 
you know, when I'm having that interview, I'm looking at it through those rose-colored glasses. Mm -hmm. Do I believe this person will be able to swim in that pool? We aren't five down years down the road where they're going to be in a very targeted role. Um, so I, I, I look at it through those eyes. Um, I also think that at a young stage, AEs, a lot of salespeople are hired and they're thrown right into their role, right? So just like you said, they're welcome. They get the swag and then they're given their targets the next day. Yeah, that, That's great. Do they understand the DNA of the company? Do they understand the mission statement? Do they understand the people? Do they understand the processes? Do they understand how that all works? So I like to give a week to two for everybody to, to ease into what they do. Mm -hmm. That onboarding process, you use the term rigid. Mm -hmm. Rigid, but it's defined. Yeah, I want you to spend an hour with the VP product so that you understand our product holistically, okay? Mm -hmm. I want you to spend an hour with our, our VP R&D. I want you to understand what is a sprint? Do you understand what a sprint is? How do we build our sprints? What's the software that we use to facilitate our sprints? I would like for them to meet some other salespeople, mm -hmm. to meet the BDR team, to meet the SDR team, and then they can come back to me with a more holistic picture of what's going on at the company. Mm -hmm. Then is the right time to start jumping into the CRM system, this, the sales processes, et cetera, et cetera. And from a remote perspective, um... How often do you check in and talk to these sales uh, people? Is it a, a, a weekly, a daily uh, procedure that you have? So I think that's we're speaking again towards the the the, the skill set of a of a given manager, right? At yeah. the end of the day, it's for it's for me to understand that employee, right? It's for me to understand who that employee is. So as an example, if this person is a self starter, highly independent. Mm -hmm. they've they've started and i've seen that they understand our crm system they mm -hmm. understand our lead funnel uh, they understand um, the legal components of what we're doing i'm more apt to stand back a little bit more and, mm -hmm. and let them come to me with a little bit more of what they need mm -hmm. at minimum a weekly meeting at yeah. minimum you know i recently managed somebody who was working remotely um and 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 he used to say to me i love it you know I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm working in a silo. I'm highly focused. There's nobody to bother me. There's nothing external. And then I think in my second call, he said, you know, some days it gets a little lonely. Yeah. You know, some days I do feel a little bit, you know, when I'm going through my third coffee alone or to the water cooler again alone, I'm thinking, hmm. In that situation, I think, okay, I'm not going to just call him every single day. That's, that would be too obvious, but I will start to pipe in maybe every other day. How are you? How's your day been? Life isn't cookie cutter. People aren't cookie cutters. And I think proper managers need to understand the proper skill sets and lack of skill sets in, in certain, you know, points in time with given employees and, and cater to them. So one of the 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 the, the key uh, parts of this uh, this series of um, of podcasts I'm doing is 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 is, is helping um, understand culturally how North America is. Um, yes. And, and helping educate, you know, um, yes, there's a lot of startups in Israel, but across Europe, really, about what it's like um, to hire in, in North America. Um, what would you say are some of the, if you were, if you were advising uh, a group of uh, tech founders or, or, or sales leaders who were about to embark on their first journey to hire salespeople um, in, in North America, we understand the process. We know what needs to happen. Um, we know the skill set we're looking for. 
Um, but when they engage and they find out what it's like uh, and, and and the culture, what bit advice is would you would you give Israeli founders of what they're going to find when they first engage? Great. By the way, I'm glad you you made that more specific about Israeli founders. It's that North Americans fundamentally think differently. Mm-hmm. They have far different expectations when it comes to service and mm-hmm. support and SLA and response times. And even the basic politeness in, in, in business, business ethics, right? Um, so often, you know, I'm thinking about one company that I worked with on a particular sales team I was with, that they, they wrote emails that they were just full of spelling mistakes. They were full of grammar mistakes. They were filled with, they didn't say hello. They just jumped straight into the email. They didn't sign off. Mm. And as a North American, I thought, wow. I mean, I would perceive this in so many ways if I received it, but none of them would be particularly positive. Yeah. Right? So so when in Rome, they yeah. do say, hi, you know, James, you know, dear Jeff. Yeah. So when in Rome, do like Rome. Mm. Um, they tend, as an example, to be very, very on time. Being mm-hmm. late for a meeting is not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and being 10 minutes late for a meeting is, is highly inappropriate. So I was late for a meeting with you. Mm-hmm. Um, prior, as a North American, I, I felt I felt sick mm-hmm. to myself. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a very incumbent to demonstrate that this mm-hmm. Israeli company must demonstrate. One is we're a great company and we're mm-hmm. on the move. Two, we are well funded. Mm-hmm. Two, there is a revenue stream. You know. Three, you might be remote, but we're not putting you on an island. You are part of this team. But that all needs to be conveyed through that process. Mm-hmm. We would like to bring you to Israel on a regular basis so that you actually understand what it's like to work in our offices, to work with the team, to meet the personalities. But sometimes they're in such a rush mm-hmm. to get to and, and have a presence in the U.S. market that they're not paying enough attention to how. You get what you give. The one thing that I um, love about dealing with uh, and working with um, Israeli startups is you know exactly where you stand so direct on point americans are not direct how would you how would you recommend um for advising a uh that first kind of conversations when you ask an open question you're going to be spoken at for about five minutes until you pick through the answer that's that's been given um Mm. it's not because they're wafflers it's it's a culture of how they communicate how would you how would you describe that how would you recommend um founders set themselves up so they they're aware of this before they engage so by the way the, the directness is i think you would refer to it as tachlis that's the name for the expression for it here mm-hmm. um i'm a big fan of of preparing people mm-hmm. right we stretch before we do sports right yep. we prepare ourselves for things in life and i'm and by the way, as a North American who's become very Israeli in, in, in my ways, I often will say to candidates that we're speaking to on the other side of the pond, by the way, here in Israel, we tend to be very direct. Mm-hmm. We tend to be very short on words rather than having, to, you don't have to unpack what we're saying. We're going to tell you exactly what you want want to know. Um, so if you, by the way, if you find anything, you know, particularly direct, please don't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think perhaps you will embrace it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, 
you know, if I'm saying something and you have a question, feel free to jump in and you, I'm, well, I'm welcoming you to, to share that same level of directness. You'll often see a smile on their face, right? Because we've all been in that position where you want to say something and you're thinking, is it appropriate? You know, is it too early? Should I? But you're yeah. telling them right up front, please put it on the table. It's really important. So I think, and I would tell you one other thing, and by the way, in Israel, that I've noticed, I see two two practices for people looking for work and people who are looking to hire. Mm -hmm. You can go one route where you visit a company's website, you go to their careers page. Yes, there's you know a position available, and you send in your CV, okay, mm -hmm. your, your resume. Cross your fingers and hope all is well, okay. Yeah. The other big trend that that is, has popped in is just going direct to the hiring manager. So mm -hmm. if they're looking for an executive um, sales director. Odds are the VP sales sales is high hiring and they'll they'll go um, direct to to that route. Again, I think it's just important in being open and honest, James, to say mm -hmm. to them, listen, I understand in North America, you know, there's a business protocol where everybody's polite and you know, you don't cut people off. And I, I embrace that. Yeah. But I'm asking you to please break that with us. If there's right. something on your mind I want to know, if there's something I like, please tell me. If you're concerned, please let me know. They tend to smile. It's like the, the shackles have been released a little bit. Yeah, like it. Um, really enjoyed this um, so far, uh, Jeff. Really appreciate everything that you well. with us. We're at the point now where you get to ask me a question. Anything that you've uh, always wanted to ask a recruiter, um, and I will do my best to give you a uh, uh, the answer here now live. I've got a great question for you. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so you were lucky enough to place a, a candidate in a particular company. Okay, mm -hmm. now your remuneration or your payment typically comes they have to be there for a month they have to be there for 60 days for 90 days a certain term and then and then you will receive your your, your payment on that okay mm -hmm. so now you place somebody at a company you believe this company's doing wonderful this person's very excited they sign off they get started then then your candidate calls you back and says james this place is not for me mm -hmm. it's not what they said it was um, there are people leaving the company right, left, and center. They're firing. There's financial concerns, financial worry, right? Now, you've just placed that candidate there, mm -hmm. right? Now, that candidate eventually decides to leave, okay? Whether it's before or after you've received your commission. And now that the HR calls you back from that same company and says, hey, we've got another role open and we'd like you to hire that role. Now, on one hand, you like to make money right that's what you do for a living that's how you take care of your family and you take care of yourself so great thank you for the opportunity thank you for thinking of me right mm -hmm. but on the other side you just went through an experience where somebody you really believed in you placed them there they were miserable left what do you do like you, you know you're being pulled at both sides on yeah. one hand you want to get compensated but on the other hand you know that there's problems at that company how do you wrestle with that internally so it's a really interesting question. We like to work very closely with managers um, and rather than being a recruitment agency that kind of works solely with there's a, a, a job uh, rec that's come out, send the CVs across, then you're, you'll engage. So if there's a problem, we would probably front it up and would probably let leadership know. If somebody left because of certain problems, um, we would openly discuss those problems um, and say, right, how do we fix those? 
And the reason being with those is that we will largely work with what we call passive candidates. So candidates that aren't necessarily looking for a job. So, so clients will look, um, there's, there's kind of two pools of, of candidates, those that are absolutely hitting their targets, smashing it, not, not looking over their shoulder. And then there's the ones that aren't really doing so well, maybe might be unemployed for whatever reason. Um, and hiring managers will always look for pool A. So what you can't do is look to take someone who's doing really well and, and hitting their numbers and making numbers and remove them and, and, and sell them into an opportunity that is not correct. Um, so, so we wouldn't do that. So we would look to rectify the problems. And if the problems can't be rectified, um, then we, yeah, we, we wouldn't do it. The, the, the good thing about us is that there's, we're not desperate for every, I, I probably turn away more jobs than I take on. That's uh, fantastic. That's fantastic. So, so I, I'm not opposed to saying, actually, I can't help you. Um, or unless you fix those, we're going to have the same problem. And it's, it's, it's not a bum on the seat that's going to solve your problem. So, so yeah, so if they couldn't fix it, we wouldn't do it. But you, you understand what I mean by, by yeah. the, the hamster wheel, right? Because often yeah. whether you use it, by the way, a great friend of mine, a gentleman here named Hilton Burke, he's a very big recruiting in the high-tech sales space. He's, he's a guru here. He made a great post on LinkedIn, um, differentiating recruiters from headhunters, mm. uh, because I think there is a difference. But again, if you are calling somebody as an example, because it goes on, who's gainfully employed, they're hitting their targets, right? They're an A yeah. player. And you've got a role and you've got a role for them, right? And then they go there and there's, do you understand? I do. Um, it, it can be a very difficult thing. Um, and, uh, you know, several of my recruiter friends said, God, you know, you know, I'm going to need a good session with a psychiatrist by the time I'm done here, right? Yeah. Um, but I always wondered how that works. By the way, I'm sure it's a great feeling if you place the right candidate in the right role, they get paid, management's thrilled, you get paid. That's such a wonderful feel good. It's yeah. a, just a feel good moment, right? But conversely, if you get a call, and, and you understand what I'm saying. I do, and and the 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 big thing that I always try to really remind everybody when we're doing a, a hiring process, um, particularly in sales, um, in dev it could be slightly differently because technology. Some people, some developers just want to work with a bit of tech. They want to get exposure to it. They want to learn from it. Great salespeople will choose a leader over a product. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, so they're joining a leader um, and the opportunity, and what are they going to learn from that leader? So, um, you, we want to make sure that we're working with great leaders, which is again, why, you know, and take it back to your point if, if nothing's changing, then the reality is, is that you're probably not a great leader. Um, and therefore, you're going to have that, con that continual churn. We need to really understand the the buy-in. Why is someone going to come and work for you? What are they going to learn? What are they going to evolve? How are they going to get better? Um, because I believe that great salespeople can sell an average product. Average salespeople will not make a great product fly out the door. It won't. Um, it will do okay. So when you know, particularly when we have these conversations and people are talking about. Uh, we're in this great space. It's new. There's no competitors. It's wonderful. The the tech work. And it's like, well, hold on. Who who are you? Why is someone going to come and work for you? Exactly. You going to offer them like part. That's all. That's all great. But when it's just you and this salesperson, 
um, what, what's happening. And 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 that if you can't get through that, and that's where you know you you fully understand and saying right, actually, uh, can we go and find someone who is going to be able to thrive in the environment that this sales leader is going to create? Yep. So listen. So one um, one we have some robust. I have some robust plans for for growth. Um, mm-hmm. into this year and certainly into the next two years. We've already done the projections. Um, so you and I will definitely be talking some more. That's number one. I'm going to throw something else on the table. Okay. You know, remember you talked about somebody taking a position more about the manager than actually the the, the bits and bobs about that particular position. So, yeah. you know, I don't do everything well. Okay. I'm sure my wife would be glad to tell you just yeah. everything I don't do well. Okay. I don't grow a head of hair like I used to. Yeah. By the way, Israel's a great com- country to go bald because it is so warm here. Mm-hmm. But if you are a good manager, if you are kind to your colleagues, if you are successful, if you are respectful, people remember that. Yes. People remember that. So as an example, where I am today, I'm, I'm contemplating bringing on an AE in the next month or so. So I gave three calls this morning to three past AEs that have worked with me. Three out of three said, just tell me the details. And um, they were just ready to jump because they're inclined to work with me again. Um, We are looking for some developers here, as an example. I've got one more junior position available, and we've got three more positions for more senior full stack developers. So I actually reached out to some past VPs of R&D and some of my Mm -hmm. old colleagues and product people. starting this past Sunday, which is a work day in Israel. Yeah. This morning, I brought in, I believe, 16 CVs. And so if you've dropped your breadcrumbs nicely, you know, like Hansel and Gretel, yeah. people will follow the trail and they'll want to work with you. Um, I think that's the magic. It's it, particularly in a scaling organization. People need to want to come and be there. Um, people have learned from you in the past. They trust in where you're going and um, and what you are and what you're doing and you know and we'll we'll, we'll dive into the detail of where you are now but um when you i always say to 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 businesses particularly once they hit that series a or series b where it's like right now now we need to go all guns blazing it's like i'm not going to find you every salesperson like you need to as a, as a good sales leader you need to come to the party with people that you know worked off um in in the past i'm i'm not going to be the savior there of, of everything we'll, we'll find you some you know great people mm-hmm. but but you're exactly there sales leader and 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 quite frankly if i if 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 a sales leader goes i i don't know anyone then again i'm asking some questions absolutely as why, um as why that's the case it might be that they're young into it early into their managerial which is fine but they should at least know some good people um, that they've worked with and they've been with um, before. So I think all of those are perfect things. So um, so I um, hope that answers your question um, yeah. uh, the way you want it. Um, really, so <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a loaded one, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it worked. Um, so referral AI, you're um, just a week or so into uh, this new opportunity, um, two weeks in. Um, I've got a couple of questions around it. Um, Somebody of your experience, um, the level of success and the experience that you've had, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was probably three or four opportunities on the table for you to choose from. Why choose this one? 
Love the question. And um, and and this is actually a, a, a compliment to my, my current day CEO. Yeah. I met him between a year and a half and, and two years ago. Um, I was, I had just left a company called GeoEdge um, that I was there for almost 11 years um, in a very senior role and it was home and it was a big change for me. And, you know, after 11 years, you know, when you hit the marketplace, I was wondering how the market would respond to me. It was wonderful. Like beyond my wildest dreams, I had, I believe, five offers from five different companies on my plate. And then I got a call from my current day CEO. And he said, I want to meet you. I said, why? He said, somebody told me I have to hire you. <laughs> and I said, you know, his name is Doron. And I said, Doron, I've got five offers and I've got to sign something today. Like today I've, is my cutoff date. And he said, uh, I don't think I want to muddle the muddy the waters anymore. He said, where do you live? And I told him, he said, I'm coming. Meet me for lunch. I said, I said, I'm coming. He drove all the way, you know, like a block from my home. And we had a lovely lunch. He's balanced. He's smart. He's kind. He's successful. He's done a number of exits already. And there was um, a great synergy between us, like a, a kismet. And I thought, he's balanced. He's smart. He's talented. And as I was thinking this, he turned across. To, he said, you're balanced. You're smart. I thought, um, but through commercial negotiations, for one reason or another, I didn't take it. And, mm -hmm. I, and I chose something else. When I had an opportunity to do my own sort of GTM again, go to, go to market, I didn't choose him again. And, and, and that was a mistake because I didn't rely on my gut instinct. Everything I advocated in my call with you today, I didn't pay attention to myself. Yeah. I, believed in the, I believe in the product. I believed in him. He did everything to show me that he wanted to work with me. And it hadn't worked. Mm -hmm. So on a given day, or as I was working elsewhere, I just called him. I said, good morning, Doron. He said, Jeff, can I send you an offer? Just like that. Yeah. And I said, Doron, you know, send it, please. Let's see. It was in my inbox, you know, an hour later. And it was very much driven by relationship. Yeah. And um, he's multi-talented, but he has, as a smaller company, he has things he needs to focus on. He said, I need to detune. I need to detune out of the sales environment, out of the commercial. I have other priorities and I need somebody who can own it. And he really convinced me that I own it. It's mine. Um, so I'm really happy and I'm exceptionally proud to be here, by the way. Yeah. Um, just on that, because I want you to tell us all about referral AI, but what, what, he's done here do you see that as a second time founder uh or well multiple time founder where he realizes he needs to get out of the way and hire someone to do the go-to-market who is an expert in go-to-market where you find some first-time founders may hang on to it a little bit longer than they need to totally agreed so he's not a first-time founder as mm. i said he's built several companies and he's done a number of exits um, so not at all. And it's not that he wants to detune or to, to abandon commercial. As a young company, whether it's fundraising or product, or there's a lot of things and, and places to put his time, love and attention. So mm -hmm. I think he and I and I, I like I like to work the same way. I want to bring in people who are highly capable that can own their domain. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can just do pulse checks with them to make sure that they're they're on the yellow brick road of, of, that I want. Yeah. Um, and he very much thus far has allowed me to share my vision. I'm starting to implement my vision, um, make some changes, 
very excited, like terribly excited. And he's he's gone at it the right way. He's shown me trust. He's shown me belief. He gave me a fair agreement. You know, um, my my lawyer who looked over it, um, who's really top of the food chain, said, you know, he gave you a remarkably fair offer. I don't have a lot to say. For me, that holds water. Definitely, definitely for sure. Um, so, who are you guys? What oh, do you cool. offer? What's your, what, what do you do? Who do you do it for? And what are the plans? So we've got a remarkable engine that is able to rediscern and share relationships. But we do it in a very, very focused manner pertaining to CRM systems. So mm-hmm. we have, as an example, you know, our database, we have got LinkedIn um, and you name it, Crunchbase, covered from A to Z. All their data is, 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 is under our umbrella. So now imagine you're, you're a VP sales, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're deaf. Now I've got, let's say James Houndslow. He's mm-hmm. a customer of mine. He's under agreement with us. He's very, very happy. We see day in, day out, he's using the service. He pays his bills on time. That's wonderful. Now I've got an opportunity open um, with Lisa. Okay, so I've got an opportunity to do business with her, but I haven't closed the deal. Mm-hmm. Now, with the data that we're able to infuse and enrich in our customer's CRM system, um, HubSpot as an example, mm-hmm. we can actually say, hey, James and Lisa worked at the same department in the same office mm-hmm. at Microsoft for four years. They know each other intimately well, and we see that they communicate regularly on the social media and through LinkedIn. It's particularly powerful to be able to approach James Hounslow and say, hi, could you help us leverage your deep belief system in what we do and help mm-hmm. us close the deal with Lisa? You know, let's let's face it. If your friend gives you a referral for a resort to go with your family for dinner, you're more apt to go yeah. than just from an ad that you're going to see or walking down yeah. the street and just... So we believe in referrals um, and it's been incredibly successful to date. Okay. Um, and for me, our focus, we did a, a nice pivot in... Um, in the spring this past may where we've become 100 percent crm centric so we're very very proud of our focus so right now I, just as an example another thing is we also have the ability to enrich contacts in your crm system um, so we can enhance that with all kinds of relationships and data that that ae or the people servicing that lead have absolutely awesome. no idea now imagine, and this happens all the time, it just happened to us this past week, where we've got an opportunity, a big one open with a very prestigious brand. And we actually sent an email at the end of last week to our POC, our point of contact. Guess what? Doesn't work at the company anymore. He was fired. But we actually had to send an email to know. Yeah. We can actually enrich the contact so that when people do move positions, when they are pivoting, when they are job switching, we can see that all and we can update the CRM system their new companies, their new email addresses, everything across the board. Like it, like it a lot. What's the plans? What were you brought on board to do? What's going to happen um, over the next 12 months? Like it. Um, we're, we're set for growth, um, mm-hmm. hyper growth this year. So by the end of this year, I'm endeavoring to probably bring on four AEs, contemplating whether I'm going to build a pod system. So we would have a ratio of one-to-one with SDR, BDR to, um, to each AE. I haven't yet decided that. I also haven't decided if I'm, I'm going to outsource it yet and mm-hmm. also in which region. 
But at minimum, there's going to be probably three to four people added to my demand generation team or our demand generation team. I'm going to be hiring probably three to four AEs. That is, I would like to see probably 500% revenue growth this year um, in 2023 over 2022. That's our forecast. I'd like to keep churn well under 10%. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see our average deal size increase dramatically. I want to conquer the world. I want to conquer the world, but I plan to make some, I, we plan to make some rather large steps in 2023. Like it. Where are you planning to hire these AEs in Israel, Europe, North America? Israel and the United States. Like um, it. And probably, again, depending upon the, the, the nature of what I do, if I'm going to put an AE or AEs in the US, I'm going to build a complementary um, demand generation for them. Um, in the United States. The question is if it will be a ratio of one-to-one. Yeah, like it. Awesome. Uh, well, Jeff, really appreciate your uh, time, knowledge, input. Um, loved all the conversations uh, that we've had um, so far. Um, so thank you very much. I know you've got a, a hectic schedule, so I will allow you to uh, to head back to, uh, to conquering the world with these guys, um, and we'll speak to you again soon. Perfect. Let me take the opportunity to thank you again as well, James. Um, I actually feel like we made friends along the way here, yeah. as well as our, our prior calls. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I do a fair number of them. This one has been particularly enjoy- enjoyable for me. So thank awesome. you for being a pro. Thank you for being fun. This was no great. worries. Thank you.